Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening to the Common Life Podcast. Today, Austin and Tyler and I are just talking about the church and uh, kind of what the church is specifically. Um, we've been going through this period where we can't like, get together in a room and, uh, and, and do church together physically. And so that's been, you know, that's been hard on all of us, certainly been hard for us in this room, made, made things super weird and uh, it's been difficult to not be able to see people and get to spend time with the people and just, you know, hug necks and catch up and uh, all those kind of things. And so we just want to talk about um, what the church is, like biblically and how that looks in our lives and, um, you know, what that means kind of to each of us. So, yeah. But I guess first we should just like see how things are going. Y'all all right? Oh, man. I'm doing awesome. Good. <laughs> I'm great. Y'all got a tadpole. We got a tadpole. Actually, we have a whole little habitat in my house. We have a, a tadpole that's going to turn into a leopard frog that we didn't realize is going to live for 12 years in our <laughs> home with us. Are leopard frogs pretty rare? Are those exotic? I It's like an Amazonian, it's like the Amazonian dark frog. In, really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, wow. this, this, this frog, I mean, a tadpole was a solid two grand. What? When you it's said like it's a when you said it was lab. purchased from Amazon, you meant the Amazon. The Amazon. Yeah, yeah it was between a purebred lab or this tadpole. <laughs> you went tadpole. You made the wise sure. choice. We also found a, a black swallowtail um, caterpillar on my mother's fennel two days ago. So we are raising a caterpillar now. Wow, never heard that sentence before. <laughs> That is both the first and last time you yeah. may ever hear that sentence. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know caterpillars like bite? Like whenever you look at a caterpillar, you're like you can just immediately go, "Oh, straight up." That's a black swallowtail, right that's there. That's a black swallowtail. That's a wow. That's pretty amazing. Are you I had no idea? That's incredible. Are you serious? Well, um, I I don't know if you know this, but I am incredibly nerdy. Mm. I knew so, that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it expanded to caterpillars. So books, Caterpillars, tadpoles, we're all in on that game. Man. Football good. teams, not so much. Not so, yeah, not so much. No. Speaking of football, middle linebacker for the Well Church, Tyler Daniel. <laughs> Seriously, the amount of weight that can be sw squatted just in this circle I know. is staggering. It's pretty... How you doing, Tyler? Are we recording? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to answer the actual question, we're doing really good. Good. Yeah, doing good this week. Y'all got a pool. We got an above-ground pool. Heck, yeah. She, and my yeah. wife, like, she was like, she had the plan and vision for it, and it looks awesome. Yeah. It's some river rock out there next to it. Our backyard feels like a fun place to be right now. Yeah. My daughter is loving it. We finally got Grayson to enjoy it, too. He was pretty hesitant at first, but now he loves it. Yeah. So. Are yeah. your kids pretty, like, early adopters on the swimming? Oh, yeah. I'll do that pretty early on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how early Allie, like, could fully swim on her own. Yeah. But she's loved water since, you know, yeah. feels like since day one. Yeah. I feel like there's some people that are, like, like the baby's born, and they're just like, oh, they just just put them in the water. You They'll guys don't fine. do that? Well, uh, we, we get them in the water pretty early, but I feel like there's some that, like, isn't there like a group of people who were like, oh, babies like have a natural, they have, they have sort of natural movements in the water. Like if you don't, if you, if you get them in early enough, they like just get to where they kind of swim pretty often. I'm not prescribing this to people. There is I'm that. saying I think there's people who, who, I, who do that. I was about to make a joke about it, but then I realized how terrifying that idea is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, we, under, I don't we, know. We about do it. water wings. We're yeah. Big yeah. water wing people. Wait, so wait, are water wings just the floaties on the arms? Or are you talking about the. I'm talking about the full floaty on the arm and the chest. It's, yeah. yeah it's like we the, call that a puddle jumper. And oh, yeah. Our, it's like the place. life vest that also has the arm mm-hmm. thing. I think that's the proper nomenclature. Mm-hmm. I think it's a puddle jumper. It's a puddle jumper. Yeah, we do those a lot. Those are pretty helpful. <sighs> what are we talking about? The oh, church. your pool. Yeah. That's right. Oh, Bo- the both the pool and the church. Yeah. Golly. We're yeah. doing good, though. Like, I don't, uh, the last two or three weeks, I've felt a lot less confused about life. Yeah, that's good. You just like, because those first six weeks of COVID, just the transition of everything, everything was just, you're just trying to reprocess mm-hmm. how to like do everything in life. And then the last couple of weeks, it's like, okay, we're good. We've got mm-hmm. kind of a rhythm, you know, life is still life, but um, it has its ups and its downs, but yeah. we actually have some rhythm in our life. And yeah. Some, yeah. I'd like That's to point nice. out, you guys can't see this on the podcast, but every person in this circle has a fresh haircut. That's true. You guys are looking fantastic. That, see, that, this is a 6 a.m. cut. Yeah. Real, woo. More than, more than whatever the federal government or the state government says about phases, that tells you that we've entered in a new phase of, of dealing with this whole thing. Absolutely. You can get haircuts in Abilene, Texas. Yeah. We're in a different spot. That's true. Of course, you give yourself haircuts. Yeah, mine was next to the pool. Yeah. So um, I didn't have to go far. Still looks good. Yeah, you look great. It looks great. Looks fantastic. Yeah, I noticed the other day, I was thinking about um, that, I, like, like, my, like, just in my head, I was pretty down. I just was, like, just sort of sprinting towards, like, like, Ecclesiastes, like, became the, like, running refrain in my brain, like, meaningless, meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It's all vanities. Like, I just was, like, down and... My brain just like I was just like sprinting towards nihilism, and I I uh, then I talked to some humans. I just was like texting with some people and checking in and like had some good conversations. And my brain like sort of like was like, oh, the sun's shining, like that's fine. We can we can take the next breath, you know. And I realized like, as an extrovert, maybe this isn't like just an extrovert introvert thing, but like I just have been really starved for for people, and it was like like sort of souring my brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. So just feeling the physical, mental limits of, of all of this, right? Man, that's some deep stuff. Got, got heavy. That's good. That just got too heavy. heavy. Yeah. From tadpoles to that, my heart didn't know how to process. Yeah, it's a whiplash. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so church. Austin, why are we talking about church right now? Why is that a thing that we can talk about in terms of like the common life we're all living? Why do we need to talk about church? Uh, Well, we had this conversation last week, but I really do think that this season of life with everything that's going on and with um, the new rhythms of existence that we all find ourselves in, I think a proper definition of the church is probably a theological term, a, a proper ecclesiology is probably more important in this season than it's been in any other season of my life as a, as a person. Yeah, so normally you can like, sort of like go through church, go through life and not maybe have a real well-defined like understanding of like exactly what church is and be okay. But right now you're saying, we really need to know what that is so we can just even survive. Well, cause for so many people, I mean, and, and there was this conversation early on with the COVID thing that um, churches were being canceled um, and or church services were being canceled 
And there was these people that came out really upset because mm-hmm. um, they're like, man, the government is shutting down church. Well, church hasn't been shut down. The church is the true community of all believers for all time. It's, yeah. it's people who are gathered around the person and the work of Christ. The, the, the church is not a brick and mortar structure. It's not a Sunday morning service. It's a people. And right. so you can do nothing to thwart that. Like Jesus promised that in Matthew 16. Um, I'm going to build my church on the profession that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. And so the government can't cancel church. COVID can't take church down. Pastors can't cancel church. Pastors can't cancel church. Yeah. Our church services can be suspended for a season. Right. And I think that that is the distinction that has gotten somewhat clouded in this season. Sure. Because as I have seen it, we, we, we've had, um, and, and again, this isn't meant to be a conversation of criticism. This right. isn't meant to point fingers or anything like that, but just from a um, cultural expositor, if right. we will, right. as we step back and we see what's taken place culturally in the news regarding the church since COVID hit, you have pastors that have gone to the extent of defying local authorities and their command um, to or not not a command, but their um, I, I mean the, the the recommendation by local authorities to step back from public gatherings, and right. you've had pastors that in defiance have gone on to meet, and they've even gotten arrested for that end. Right. And what that tells me is that their ecclesiology is such that they believe that the church cannot exist without a Sunday morning service. Right. And I think for us to be able to define the church separate from the Sunday morning gathering is actually a really important component here yeah. because it helps us as we move forward with understanding what the church is and what the church will be in the right. season to come. Yeah, no, I, think that's, I think that's a helpful distinction. I think if you, even if you look at um, like how the New Testament talks about church and typically, and maybe you mentioned this earlier, but I think you know, typically whenever you're looking at like the words used for the church in the New Testament, you're talking about a Greek word, ekklesia, right? Mm. And, and it's a word that like sometimes can mean like just sort of like called out ones or gathered ones or whatever. And I think sometimes we confuse um, the idea that you know, these gathered ones are, and, and we sort of like flip that around and we say like, well, church are the people who gather together. We said that we're ones who, who gather. And so if you think about it in that sense, like the gathered ones, then you're thinking about it in terms of like, you cannot exist unless you're doing these events. Yeah. It's an event-based kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I, I don't think that's what this is about. I, I think like really like sort of consistently throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, God's people are not defined by what they do or when they like sort of have an event, mm. they're defined by what God has done. Mm. They're not the ones who gather, they are ones who have been gathered by God. And that doesn't have anything to do with a, a certain space or occupancy or like the fire marshals, you know, like say so on whether or not you can get together in a specific room. That, yeah. that has to do with those who have been gathered to God by the reconciling life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that is a, it, that really is an important distinction right now, especially as we move forward. You know, we, I know the well put out a phase plan this week about kind of a four step, four mm-hmm. phase plan to, to move back towards public gatherings. Um, but it is, I, th- I think, an important distinction for us in this season um, to know that uh, the church has continued. The church has um, yeah. the, 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 the church was never canceled. Right. Services were suspended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that, like to think about the consistency 
I mean, Tyler and I, we were talking about that um, a little bit earlier. It's, it is just remarkably consistent how you can look at who the people of God are, how they're marked, what the, uh, what the call of, those, of, of God's people are really throughout Scripture. I mean, I think you can see you know, shades of it even in, um, in Genesis 1, right? Like the people of God, Adam and Eve, like sort of originally created, given an image that is marked by being um, God's own, uh, unique among creation. Um, and then sustained. They're given food. God is, they are God's people both in, in origin, in identification, um, and in, in God providing for them. They're, they're t- holy gods, right? And then they are given a purpose. And that, even in the purpose, like that, that gives, that goes back to the fact that they're image bearers, because that, that idea of them being the imago dei, the, the image bearers of God, it's, it's like when an emperor would put up a statue or a king would put up a statue of themselves in like sort of a far off province or something like that. Like it, it represents the rule, the power, the person of that king. And in the same way, God's people were, were given purpose to be image bearers as they had dominion over the earth, as they moved among the earth and filled it and multiplied. Like um, we were given, we, we are the people of God. We, we are his, right? And given purpose. And it's, it's not just like in those things, like to, to have babies and to, to fill the earth and to have dominion over created things. But there's also that language in, in chapter 2, 15 and 16, where there's, you got these words about um, how God's put um, Adam and Eve there to work and keep the garden. And these, these words, if you do a little bit of like sort of Hebrew word study, and I'm not smart enough to do this stuff on my own, but the smart guys whose books I read say that those, book, those words for work and keep, when you look at them in other places, they're pulling double duty there because they're also used to describe the activities of the priests whenever you start talking about when the tabernacle comes together and the mm-hmm. Israelites are going to have responsibilities with um, sort of uh, caring for um, the, the practices of God's people in worship. And so, like, just pregnant within those words early on in, in Genesis 2, 15, like, the human beings are put there to be both gardeners, to work and to keep, to protect the place, but also to be priests. They are sacred, like, they're, they're these sort of, like, sacred workers, these gardener priests that are already there. They're given this purpose that, that includes this worship and, and, mm. and right and good reverence for God, centering your life around them even, and there's no, there's no separation between their purpose, between their identity and, and God. And then, you know, you, you eventually see like the, the only regulation you have there. It's there in verse 16 early on, do not eat of this tree, right? God's people have a right and good boundary in addition to their purpose, in addition to their identity, which is marked entirely by who God is, what God has done, and how he provides for them. Yeah, and that's, that's like the same pre- and post-fall. You see it with Abram, the call of Abram. Sure. Abram wasn't called because he was already following God, right? Yeah. He was actually called out of probably like, they say probably as a pagan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Um, and was, was called out and set apart, not because he was awesome, but because God had a purpose, right? right. And, the same, and the same idea is kind of passed on in his call and his sending, which was to to be a blessing to all people, that God was going to bless him so that he'd be a blessing to all nations. Right. And that kind of fills the same theme that's going on in Genesis 2, which is to fill the earth, multiply. Basically, fill the earth with God's glory, his image, his beauty, his likeness, yeah. through how you live, work, act, play, all that stuff. The, the call didn't change right. post-fall. Right. And I mean, it's just a consistent theme all through kind of the aim of Scripture. Sure. 
Sure, you get to next, you know, one of the next big characters, right, in, in, in our story, right, when you get to Moses, right? God has preserved, you know, somehow, some way, he has preserved his people from that promise to, to Abram, who becomes Abraham, through his sons and through all the different things that happen in and out and, you know, famines and, and difficulties and sins and, you know, all these things. He's preserved his people. They're in um, Egypt and then God calls them out. Again, this idea of being ones who are called out, who are gathered together, right? He calls them out. Um, so they, you know, they are God's people by the fact that he has preserved them, that he uh, has called them out and he's delivered them from captivity, right? And then he gives them purpose and he provides for them, both certainly like in terms of food, right? Bringing quail and, you know, heaven bread, manna um, in and among them, waters coming out of rocks, and he's leading them. He's guiding them very physically here, right, through that pillar of fire and smoke, um, you know, to, to walk through the desert. They are God's people for the purposes of God. You see that in Exodus 19, right, where it says that they, they are going to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? They are his people for his purposes, right? And that continues throughout the rest of the Old Testament. You see God continuing to preserve them, to call them back. They get they, you know, as a result of sin, they're, they're brought into exile, and then, but God's promises remain true, and he calls them back out. They remain gathered ones, called ones, a people of God for the purposes of God, right? Man, I think, JR, you, you've just given us a fantastic primer into biblical theology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. There's, um, there's a book, what you're talking about, reminded me of a book I read a couple of years ago called God Dwells Among Us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by G.K. Beale and Michael Kim. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a, it was, it was a basic, I mean, I say basic, it was one of the most profound books I've, I've read in the last decade, but it was about temple theology mm -hmm. and how from, from the garden of Eden, you know, I, I, exactly what you talked about through the nation of Israel, then mm -hmm. the tabernacle, right. Um, up to the temple. And then when Jesus says, yeah, I'm, I'm all those things. Yeah. All those things existed to point to me. Right. Like I'm the place that people come to meet God. Mm -hmm. I'm where the spirit of God is housed. And then for, you know, you, you go to first Peter chapter two, where he talks about us being a, a nation of priests. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it gives us when you when you're able to see that biblical theological uh, view, that that 30,000 foot view of God's redemptive plan throughout history, um, it gives you such a, a, a basis and a primer for what the church is yeah. and how the church functions and right. who we are as the people of God within within that. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. one of the dangers kind of go to go back to what you were talking about earlier and the importance of defining the church, one of the dangers, and this is the danger for us as individuals and then for us as the church, is to define who we are by what we do yeah. first. Yeah, oh yeah. And even as churches, we could, we could try to define who we are as a church by the trendy things that we do, but mm. who we are as a church is not dependent upon that. It's dependent mm. upon what God has already done and yeah. what he has said. Come and then on. we also find that is true for us as individuals, right? We are not what we do. We are who God says we are, and that should inform what we do. And so if we get those, if, if we get those twisted, then we end up doing a lot of things to try to earn an identity or to try to build out an identity mm. when God has already given us one. Boom. And so as, as churches, if, if we're not clear on that, it can be really hard for us because we can begin to kind of build our identity on things that that we're trying to do work that God's already done yeah. and we end up getting in the wrong aim yeah. and we end up becoming about like, well, we have to do these certain things. And it's like to be the church is not dependent upon those things to be the church is dependent upon what the work of Christ that yeah. has already been finished. And right. so if we get those things twisted, then we can just get into all sorts of 
hang-ups and issues with uh, with almost everything else really it's a real subtle shift but it but it but it begins to inform almost everything we do mm. Tyler that that was good that was real good I got some I mean I, I, feel, I don't have a lot of hair on my shoulders mm-hmm. but I feel like the little I do have is, is standing yeah. up I mean you're, was, you've got more and more hair coming out of your ears and I could tell <laughs> it was just bristling with excitement the closer i approach to 40 the hairier my ears become yeah we're fast (laughs) approaching the days where like father's day gifts are more and more likely to be nose hair trimmers (laughs) like just subtle little hints guys yesterday my my wife told me for the first time that she noticed some gray hair yeah (laughs) i'm only 34. (laughs) dude i feel like i'm getting these like long thick whiskers growing out of my eyebrows do you guys remember the juice man (laughs) no Go Google the Juice Man. I mean, that guy's eyebrows, I mean, he could slick those things back to his neck. No, I never heard of that. But I do know, I went to get, not this last time, but I got a haircut, I don't know, maybe three times ago. And I thought we were about done. And then my barber leans over and she's like, hey, just, just for just a second, and takes a comb and shears and just starts trimming up my eyebrows. And I was like, what is happening? Absolutely. I'm not sure this should like legally make it into the podcast, but yeah, I was I, disturbed. If we're by talking it. about the common life, this is this is common to all. For, well, I mean, when, when your all, eyebrows start going nuts, there's three people in the room right now who were just like, they're giving us that look, like a what's what's your phrase? Like a baby calf at a new gate. Yeah, just yeah. like what? Are Why they is this here? <laughs> Why are these weird dudes talking about their eyebrows? Okay. So let me see if I can get us, get us back, right? No, because so, that was so good. We can't lose it from the so, eyebrows. So good. And I think it, it ties into something that we talk about, sort of, it cycles back around here. Um, it, this idea, right? Like, when we start to believe that we are, first and foremost, what we do, right? It, it disorders things, like, in a way that, like, we see sort of, like, biblical patterns constantly fighting against. What, what we see is that God is the initiator God is the initiator because of who he is, right? And so it's out of God's identity that we see his activity come. And it's God's activity which shapes, forms, calls us into creation, sustains us. It's God's activity that determines our identity, mm. right? And then, and then out of that identity, our activity should come, right? Another way to say it is that being should dictate doing, mm. right? God's doing is always in line with his being. Come on. And his doing Woo. shapes who we are called to be. And it's out of that being that we should be living, right? And, and that, that is always contextualized. It's all like, depending on if you live in the first century and you're walking around and you see uh, this rabbi that's causing a lot of controversy and waves, right? Like being um, and, and doing has its own context in that century, in that place, right? But like right now, today, you know, whether you, let's, let's, let's look at 2019, right? So we're not even talking about pandemic time, right? In 2019, being a Christian in certain parts of Asia, right, looks very different than being a Christian in Abilene, Texas, or being a Christian um, in, you know, in, uh, you know, any other continent on the planet, right? Like, there's different things that, that are, um, that are going to take place, that are going to come out because of culture, or just quirks, or just like preferences, or all those kind of things, but, but to be faithful, we need to recognize that it all needs to come out of God's being, his doing, which determines our being, and then out of our being, which is unshakable, which is not contextualized, which is, uh, which is, which is just absolutely determined by the person and work of Christ, the good news um, of God accomplished through what the Son has done, right? 
that 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 being, which is the same as all others who've shared this identity of being the people of God, the church, that that might look very different depending on the time and the place you live. And in our time and place, it's had to take for a little while, it's had to take a different form uh, because we haven't had to ha been able to have large gatherings together as a church. It's just, but it's still dictated by who we are and whose we are rather than by what we do, right? Dude, that's good. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, that ties in exactly to what we were talking about within the pandemic, because it, it, it is not helpful for the church to see themselves um, as the void of identity without being able to meet right. corporately. Right. right. And that seems to be the thing that's happening. Like yeah. pe people are not able to, to see the church apart from Sunday gatherings and the church is not what they do. It's the, 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 the church is not defined by the gatherings they have, they've already got definition and identity from what Christ has made them into. into. Yes. Yeah. And so again, it's out of the identity and what Christ has made us into that we respond with gratitude and worship by, with our public gatherings on Sunday morning. Right. And so again, the, a, a proper view of ecclesiology or <coughs> a proper view of the church helps us um, with an understanding of, of how we handle um, what's going on uh, in, in, in culture with the pandemic and COVID-19 and everything yeah. right now. Yeah, that's good. I think for a lot of us, I mean, people have said this in a lot of different contexts, but this has revealed some things. <clears throat> and I think it's kind of like whenever, you know, you hear the, the sort of like same story about um, empty nesters, right? Like you've, you've had kids with you for a long time, you've been raising kids, you've been focused on that, right? And then suddenly um, your, your kids graduate and they move out of your house or, or however that kind of works um, for your family. And then you hear this story about like, you know, a couple kind of trying to figure out like, we, we don't really know how to be married. We know how to be parents together. We know how to try to raise children together, but we've kind of forgotten what it looks like for us to be a married couple outside of sort of like life centering around those kids. And I think for a lot of us, this has sort of like revealed some things that, that you know, um, that, that had been wrong that we hadn't seen before, right? That, that maybe we didn't know what it looks like to be church if we're not doing church. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think all of a sudden we just like stumbled into a skewed right. ecclesiology. I think it's something that's built that lay hidden until the pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I, again, there, there, there have been so many benefits that have come out of, right. um, there have been so many tragedies and so many difficult things that have come out of this pandemic, but there's also been uh, beneficial things and the realm of new rhythms of life and things like that. And one of the ben benefits is that it sort of, sort of, <laughs> sort that of. Russian? <laughs> that was a good key word. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, uh, okay. It sort of has boiled things down to its most basic components. Yeah. And that's what's happened um, with a, a definition of the church and, yeah. and who we are as the people of God that have been gathered around the person and the work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe next step is we talk about what does it mean to be and to live as, as the church, as the people of God, like regardless of, of how big our gatherings can be or how often they can happen or anything like that. Like what does it mean to be and live as the church? Well, one thing that I've been thinking about, and it, this is so super informed by our hyper-individualism in the West, okay, um, is most people's general default is 
to think about the church as something to hold out in front of them and critique mm-hmm. or yeah. hold out in front of them and have demands upon the church. Right. But if what's true about the church is actually true, that we're the gathered ones, then like that's not something I get to disconnect myself from yeah. in the way I approach it. It's something that I invest myself in and not even in the activity. And I'm not even saying like, well, I must do all these things to be a part of the church. I just am a part of the church. And so I must see myself as an invested member of the church. Yeah. And now, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why you might be a, a part of a different local church, but to see to see the church at a distance and kind of hold it up and critique it yeah. should never really be something we're allowed to do because mm-hmm. we're critiquing ourselves. Yeah. We should be in that moment. And so I think we often see ourselves separate from it. And so then we put all these expectations and demands on the church to do certain things, on the organization of the church to do certain things for us when that was never meant to be right. the purpose or the activity of the church was not to make us happy, was not to meet our consumeristic needs. It wasn't to do all uh, those things happen. I think the church is a great place for encouragement and I can experience a lot of happiness and right. fulfillment, but it's not primarily a place for my fulfillment. Yeah. Right. But we often see it that way. And even you think about the idea of church shopping, which is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get it, but I also makes, it makes me feel a little icky. It's like, man, the church is not something to be looked at through a magnifying glass just to critique like it's something you are already a part of yeah and so it should be held in honor and respect and we should have a lot of charity for people you know what i mean for churches and i don't know that's that's something i've been thinking about is we tend to approach it from a really uh critical standpoint and just kind of tear it apart what does it do for me how is it not meeting my needs and then you begin to ask thing of ask things of leaders that was never meant to be their role you get what i'm going with that yeah yeah. absolutely See, I think that ties into what I was um, kind of thinking through because the, the interesting thing is that when you, so this goes back to what we were talking about. When you define the church by what they do in terms of the, the gatherings that they put on, then what you see is that the people who actually, I mean, th- there, there is such a heightened value placed on um, paid staff members at a church or, or what mm-hmm. has historically been known as clergy. Right. And what... Um, Man, of all the good things that came out of the Reformation, one of the greatest was this new definition to the people of God, that we are a, a, the, the priesthood of believers. Right. And so um, it ties back into what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we are all a part of the body, all equally valuable, all equally needed for the operation of the ecclesia that is the, the people of God. Um, we just operate within different roles. And so... Um, what it does is I, I think this season reminds us that um, just because you don't preach on Sunday morning by no stretch of the imagination means that you are unneeded in the family of faith. Yeah. And so I think that um, this has helped us because, again, I, I, I think when we place such a um, uh, so much emphasis on the Sunday morning gathering in, inadvertently or maybe or maybe intentionally, we're putting so much emphasis on the people that hang out on stage. And I think what this has done is it reminds us that we are all equally valuable, that we are all equally needed, that we all have everything that we need through the indwelling of of Christ and through the the gift of the Holy Spirit to to do work and ministry in the context that we're in. And so um, we, whether we like it or not, have been sent We've been filled with the Spirit, which Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, has indwelled us with the very power that raised Christ from the grave. 
Right. And so we can't devalue our role. Can't devalue our role in our neighborhood, in our family, in our jobs, and the people that we're around. Um, we have been sent into those places strategically, placed there by God for His glory to spread the good news of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, that's good. And I, the making sure that we don't say like there are those people who like sort of like you know without those people we're not the church without staff or something like that. I don't know if anybody would go quite so far as to say that out loud, but I think sometimes the way we operate it's as though we can't be church unless we're gathered together with people who are going to play really good music and preach a really good sermon, yeah. right? And and that can't possibly, you know, be the case. Like in 1 Timothy 3 it talks about when talking about, uh, you know, who the people of God are, it says that we are the household of God, right? And in that in that setting, in that connotation, you're talking about a family, and, and, and especially in those times, in a lot of cultures you know, around the world, when you're talking about a household, you're not just talking about like sort of a nuclear family of, of you know, a, a mom and a dad and however many kids they've had, but you're typically talking about a multi-generational kind, of, uh, kind of family. So you're talking about old people to young people um, all throughout, right? And, and if, if mom steps out of, out of the house or if dad steps out of the house, right, the place is lessened for, but they don't cease to be family, yeah. right? Like everybody there has, has, has value. Everybody there is family, right? And, and I think that's the same way we gotta look at our relationship as the church. One of the other things that that same verse, 1 Timothy 3.15 says is, is that we're called to be a pillar and buttress of truth. That in the world in which we live, like we're supposed to be people who stand um, for truth. And that was one of the things when I was thinking about like, okay, what does it mean for us to live um, as, as the church, to be God's people? Um, doing what God has called us to do. It, it's to be that we're, we're people who stand for truth. And, and ultimately, you know, whenever we're looking for truth, we look through, we look to and through the lens of Christ, right? Like Christ is the way, the truth, right? The life. And, and so truth is one thing that came to mind that we're people who stand for truth, that declare truth, that declare the gospel. Um, and and that, that's whether or not you, you know, preach to a microphone or not. And the other thing I was thinking about is love, right? I mean, we talk a lot about like truth and love sort of going together. And, you know, in John 13, whenever, um, you know, Jesus last night, you know, he washes the disciples' feet. Um, they talk a little bit about some things. There's that whole weird situation with, uh, you know, Judas and Jesus seeming to know what's coming between him and Judas, right? And then they talk about um, love, right? That the way Jesus has loved his disciples, that's how they're to love each other. In fact, that that's how the world will know that they're his disciples, that we're his disciples, right? By the way we love each other. And so, you know, being the church, and there's lots and lots of other things that, that are called about, that, that we're called to do as, a, as our identity of the church, is to stand for truth and to love well. That's part of, and that can be done. It has to look, and look differently, but that can be done um, in between Sunday services, and even if you don't get to have in-person physical services, right? Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it kind of, to have any sort of validation, it actually has to be done. Yes. In the home. Yeah. It, I mean, like it starts, it starts in your own personal life and flows out to every other part of your life. And sure. I mean, that, that's one other thing that gets really confusing in the church is a lot of times you put the the people up on a stage on a pedestal and like we. Yeah. We are just as broken and like I feel like I mean more does a maybe. good job of showing that. Oh my gosh! Like Absolutely. if anyone wants to put me on a pedestal, just be around me a little bit in real sure. life. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. a broken person. Right. Like, I'm annoying at times, you know what I mean? Right. I'm sinful, like all that stuff is like, don't confuse like gifting with health. Mm -hmm. Like just because someone can, can get up and do something really well, doesn't actually mean that they have a life that's like yeah. 
full, you know what I mean? Walking yeah. in step with Jesus. And so right. that that's, it's really important that we see that like the gospel has implications for all of life. Yeah. Not just for the really cool moments, you right. know what I mean? Where everything looks good. And so I, I was thinking about, we're meant to be a display people. Yeah. But like, that display is to show off God's goodness, mm-hmm. not ours. And we get it yeah. twisted, like yeah. as if we are supposed to like somehow now be superhuman. Right. When really like the gospel humbles us mm-hmm. and his glory is most shown through our weakness and through our humility. When, right. when we are people who have been really changed and we see how, how kind he is to us, that he would love us in our brokenness. Right. You know what I mean? When, when I, when, when I, I wrestle with over and over again, like the type of husband I should be and the type of husband I'm not, but yet God day after day pursues me, changes me and gives me opportunities to say yes to him, to love my wife in a way that would reflect his love for me. Yeah. And like, that's where the, that's where the real stuff of being a Christian matters. And that's actually where all the other stuff takes its right place mm-hmm. and starts to have more weight and value. Then you no longer expect the gathering to be some sort of whoosh effect to get you through the week. Right. But you come together with like the saints because you're like, man, Jesus has changed my life. Right. And so now I don't have a critique of the church. I just want to belong to the church because right. Jesus has done so much for me. And that's yeah. a different story. Right. Then the gathering and your scattering takes on a different light because Jesus is personally changing you because you need it. Yeah. And apart from him, there wasn't any hope. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's just a total different reframing. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. One's, one's humble and one's proud. Right. You know, yeah, one comes with expectations and one comes with open hands. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the church is. The open handed people of God saying, we want whatever you have because it's mm-hmm. better than what we would have chosen. Yeah. You know, so Jesus send us like I think of Isaiah and, you know, Isaiah six. Mm-hmm. He sees. <laughs> He sees, he sees God in all of his glory, and then he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then yeah. the angel puts coal on his right. lips and forgives right. him. And then what is his response? Here I am, send me. That's yeah. who the people of God are, right? Yeah. This changed people. I, I probably got off track there, but like, no, good. There's just a, it's just a whole different posture of what it means to be a part of the church, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of other things that, like, sort of, that are true that we typically think about what churches do that actually are to, are a part of what we see like sort of like biblically right like I yeah. mean like like you said we're supposed to be a display people and I think that I think that goes back to our origins like right as, as image bearers and we see that sort of like being being um, sort of brought out in a new way in terms of we're supposed to be people who live in a certain way who, who are marked by the gospel who love each other because we've been loved right mm. that displays what we've received from God and and how we know God to be. Um, but we're supposed to be evangelists. We're supposed to share the gospel and see people, uh, see more people come to know um, uh, Jesus as as the Spirit does that work. But, but we're supposed to be a faithful part of sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know the saving power of that good news, right? And, and you know, all of the things that you see, like, I don't think any of us, like, what, what we're trying to highlight right here is that the identity of the church, right, is more important, that it's not what we do, it's not even necessarily who we are, it's whose we are, right? That, that identifies really like our, our, the core of what we're called to be and the core of what we're called to do, right? I don't think any of us would say that gathering together, that worshiping together, that, that spending time like sort of working hard to make sure that we're preaching faithfully um, or that church leadership doesn't matter at all, but it shouldn't be what identifies who the church is and whether or not the church can can exist, yeah. right? It, it should be a part of what we do, mm-hmm. but it flows out of who we are 
Um, and, and, it's, and it's always going to be a part of, of what the church is, mm-hmm. no matter the situation, because it is the natural right and good response of, of being transformed by the gospel into the people of God for the purposes of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all those things that you're saying, I mean, they absolutely matter. Yeah. But they have to matter in the right direction, in the right aim, for the right reason. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. like anything, when you get it disordered, mm-hmm. then, then it, it becomes twisted. Yeah. It becomes uh, what it's not meant to be. Yeah, yeah. well, and then you, and you get into the idea of, like, um, you know, community. Yeah. Um, well, for the church, community is really not an option. Yeah. It's really not. I mean, we treat it like it is sometimes, and community is not easy. Don't get me wrong, but that seems to be the primary place where change happens. Yeah. And the primary place where the practice of being a display people happens, yeah. you know, because we're the gospel calls us into community on God's mission. Like those things are just like we're already a part of that. And so I think we can, as the church, can try to drum up a lot of activity at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. When when really we need to remind deeply that God has already like made you a part of the community. Yeah. It's just like, are you going to say yes to being a part of that? You know what I mean? To what he's already said is true. And then will you see your life as a missionary opportunity? Right. This right. is like in word and deed. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, just to be a display of God's goodness in your yeah, life. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know that like all three of us really are longing for us to be like gathered together. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah, I, I really want people to know that that's true. Um, I, I guess, and Austin, you may have been about to say something, I don't know. But one thing I'm curious about for the three of us what is it that you are most looking forward to when we're able, hopefully very soon, to start worshiping together, gathering together again? I never thought I'd be so excited about people not laughing at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good laugh on that one. Yeah. Boom. Boom. There we go. Yeah. Mic drop. No. Yeah. I, I, honestly, just looking people in the eyes. Yeah. Even if their eyes are rolling at me, <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm cool. Yeah. To be in a room with humans right yeah um, i'm That's excited good. about that day really pumped about hearing people's voices singing together i know you know just yeah. like the the collective of the church singing right is always so moving and a reminder that you're a part of something way bigger than you mm-hmm. you know and way bigger than what's even happening in that room yeah it's like an echo of what's happening in the heavens you know sure. and what will happen forever so i miss that a yeah. lot i think i miss like one of the like sort of um, staple things is certainly like taking communion together. Mm-hmm. That's a sweet time for me and Amy and to get to just like sort of be doing that together I think is something that I miss. Um, but also uh, like just sort of like the the regular um, like sweet surprise of seeing people uh, that you have affection for because they're they're part of your church. Mm-hmm. Like just and it's not, it, it, it happens, you know, maybe every week, maybe it's with the same person or something like that, but looking up and realizing like, oh, there comes Tyler, there comes David, you know, there, you know, there comes Mindy, right? Like, like w- whatever it is, like you, you see somebody and you just have affection for them. And it's, it's certainly because of common experiences and because maybe like your personalities align or something like that. But it's also because of this common bond we have in Christ. Like there's a unity, there's an affection. We've worshiped together. We've we, we've seen the same transformation. We've seen the Lord sort of um, step in with grace and steadfast faithfulness to us. Um, and so we can share in those things. And I think that, like, those, like, just those, like, sort of sweet moments of, oh, hey, there's, there's my sister. Oh, hey, there's my brother. 
I think those are moments that I, um, I'm looking forward to getting to, to see again.